Welcome to our podcast for the weekend of the 31st of October and the 1st of November. This comes from St Michael's Lillishaw and St John's Muxton in Shropshire. My name is Matthew and I'm the vicar. And this week we're continuing in our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and we're looking particularly at the gift of discerning between spirits. But as we start, let's pray. Lord, speak to us that we may hear your word. Move among us that we may behold your glory. Receive our prayers that we may learn to trust you. Amen. We're obviously entering a very difficult time in the story of our country and the world. Coronavirus seems to be spreading out of control. And it's really important that in the face of such difficulties that we come to God and acknowledge our dependence on him and our need of him and our need of his cleansing in our lives. And so we're going to spend a time confessing our sins before God and inviting God to forgive us and to fill us with his love. So please do say these words after me. Almighty God, we confess that we have sinned against you, for we have denied your saving presence in our lives, and we have grieved your Holy Spirit. Come to us in the fire of your love and set our minds on the things of the Spirit that we may share his gifts and bear his fruit in love and joy and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And we can be absolutely sure that if we are sincere in asking God for forgiveness, that he will forgive us. So let's hear these words spoken over us. May the Father forgive us by the death of his Son and strengthen us to live in the power of the Spirit all our days. Amen. As we move towards the end of our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I hope you have been encouraged to pray for these gifts for yourself and to try them out whenever you sense that God has given you a particular insight by sharing it with others. Today's topic is the gift of the discerning of spirits. This gift is given to us to recognise what is from God and what isn't. With the best of intentions, someone may be convinced about what God is saying but they may or may not be hearing him correctly. We need to be as sure as we can that it it is from him. Let me start by saying what the spiritual gift of discernment is not. It is not natural discernment, nor is it the result of a rational process of fault-finding in a situation, nor is it being streetwise. These are all useful talents, but they are not the spiritual gift of discernment. What Paul is referring to here is the gift of being able to know whether, when somebody speaks out a word which they claim to be from God, it is truly from God. Anybody could say anything, and some do, prompted by their particular hobby horses and what is on their mind at the time. These may be worthy and sound right, 
But if something is treated as God's word of knowledge, wisdom or prophecy for us today, then it demands obedience. And God's people really need to know that it is God's word. In the passage from 1 Corinthians 12 that we've been looking at for the list of the gifts of the Spirit, Paul does not suggest what the process of the discernment of spirits might be. However, the very mention of this gift in a list including words of knowledge, wisdom and prophecy means that it is a gift which is to be used alongside these. It suggests that anything that is publicly offered as a word from God, whether a word of wisdom, knowledge or prophecy, should be followed by some kind of discernment. It should not be left untested or unchecked. As such, the proclamation of a revelation from God is therefore not the property of the one who has spoken it out. The word is given to one person, but it is discerned and tested by others. The gifts are given and used as the Spirit determines. There can therefore be no room for complacency, possessiveness or arrogance among those who have revelations. Their words must be offered and be subject to scrutiny and testing. This is in line with Paul's general tone in this passage, which, as we have seen before in this series, was to ensure that the use of spiritual gifts in worship was to promote unity and love in the church and not to become a source of spiritual pride and division. John, in the first of his letters, also speaks out about the importance of testing the spirit in which people speak. His purpose in writing this was not quite the same as Paul's. John was warning Christian communities of false teaching. People were saying that Jesus wasn't really a human being and that Jesus' teaching was purely in the spiritual realm. What we did with our bodies didn't matter. Let's hear the reading from 1 John 4. 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 to 6 Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognise the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Like Paul, John also placed high importance on testing what people are saying and preaching as God's word. He acknowledged that there were spirits which prompted people to speak deceptive words. The guidelines he gave for deciding what was and was not from God are foundational. How can we recognise something is from the Holy Spirit? If the spirit in which it is spoken acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, then it is from God. In the next section of this letter, John then goes on to talk about the importance of love 
and how evidence of love is a way to test whether somebody is speaking from God or not. These are two foundational ways in which we can test whether what somebody is saying is from God. But we should not stop there. A whistle-stop tour through Paul's letters gives us more help. Closely aligned to John's teaching is Paul's assertion in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3, No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If a person is unable to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus in their lives, then we should not accept what they are claiming to say as being from God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15 Paul says that in the last days the man of lawlessness will come and set himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. To be able to discern this and not to be deceived, Paul encouraged the Thessalonians to stand firm and hold on to the teachings he passed on to them. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 Paul encourages believers not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 21 and 22, Paul encourages the Thessalonians to test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. And in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31, Paul says that the purpose of revelations from the Holy Spirit is to instruct and to encourage. If a revelation does not do this but discourages the people of God, then it should be questioned as to whether it is from God. These verses do not enable us to apply something like a ten-point check to every word of knowledge, wisdom and prophecy, crunch it through an algorithm or a computer and come up with a yes or no, this is or is not from God. But instead they give us clues as to how we might live so that we become better at discerning the difference between spirits. And these are the clues. Acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. Acknowledge that Jesus became human. Live in love. Stand firm and hold on to the teachings passed on to us through the Bible. Don't seek to think like everyone else, but be transformed by God, renewing your mind. Let scripture influence how you think. Hold on to what is good and avoid all evil. As we do these things, our ability to test and discern what is from God will grow, because we will be drawing closer to him, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us will increase. The task of discernment is not straightforward. We need to develop dependence on the Holy Spirit to navigate us through what are often very complex situations. Let us take a look at a practical example of discernment between spirits in the Old Testament. At this stage in Bible history, God's people have split into two, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Ahab, the king of Israel, has made some grave mistakes and so is under God's judgment. Let's hear this reading from 1 Kings. 1 Kings, chapter 22, verses 1 to 28. For three years there was no war between Aram and Israel. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel had said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram? So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people. 
my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, First seek the counsel of the Lord. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets, about four hundred men, and asked them, Shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here, whom we can inquire of? The king of Israel answered Jehoshaphat, There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria, with all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Canaan, had made iron horns, and he declared, This is what the Lord says, With these you will gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. All the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favourably. But Micaiah said, As surely as the Lord lives, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. When he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or not? Attack and be victorious, he answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. The king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, These people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Didn't I tell you that he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? Micaiah continued, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with all the multitudes of heaven standing round him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this and another that. Finally, a spirit came forward, stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. By what means? the Lord asked. I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all his prophets, he said. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. So now the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these prophets of yours. 
The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, son of Canaanah, went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Which way did the Spirit from the Lord go when he went from me to speak to you, he asked. Micaiah replied, You will find out on the day you go to hide in an inner room. The king of Israel then ordered, Take Micaiah and send him back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, This is what the king says. Put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely. Micaiah declared, If you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, Mark my words, all you people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a fascinating piece of the Bible as it reminds us that nothing happens without God's permission. And when I use the word permission here, I don't mean that God supports it, but that he allows or permits it to happen. After all, God is almighty. King Ahab of Israel is enticed into battle by a lying spirit put into the mouths of prophets. Notice the 400 prophets are not described as prophets of the Lord. They only claim to say what the Lord is going to do. Indeed, King Jehoshaphat of Judah specifically asks for a prophet of the Lord. When Micaiah is called for, the implication is that he has honed his ability to listen to God in his lifestyle and he speaks only what he discerns the Lord to be saying. He is the Lord's prophet. He does not say just what Ahab wants to hear. And his total obedience to God means that he can only speak what the Lord tells him to say. This is why God has been able to reveal to him exactly what has been going on in the spiritual realm. How the 400 prophets who were proclaiming victory for Ahab were lying, as would be proved by later events. It is an amazing piece of discernment and gives us insight into some deep theological questions. And in the midst... In an episode which foreshadows both Jesus and Paul's treatment in front of the high priests, Micaiah is even slapped in the face for speaking the truth to power. Truth is such a precious commodity in our society. We are beset by fake news and rumours. We are persuaded that one version of events is right, only to find out that we have been lied to. Fortunately, in the midst of all this, Christians have chosen to place their trust in a person who is the source of all truth. Jesus described himself as the way, the truth and the life. His words are truth and are precious in the midst of falsehood and deception. You may be someone who thinks that truth is a set of constructs or precepts. The Bible tells us that truth is uniquely revealed in a person, Jesus Christ. When he is our Lord and comes to live in us, then we are filled with his truth. With the many false siren calls on our affections today, wealth, pleasure, sex and power, it is so important to stay connected to the one who is the source of truth and who, by his Holy Spirit, gives his people the gift of being able to discern what is from him in the midst of all that competes for our attention. Let's pray that God may give us, within our church fellowships, those who have the gift of discernment, 
that we may not be led astray into patterns of life and behaviour that are not honouring to him. Let's spend a moment affirming what we believe about God. We are not alone and we live in God's world. And so please say after me. We believe in God. Who has created and is creating. Who has come in Jesus to reconcile. And to make all things new. We trust God, who calls us to be the church, to love and serve others, to seek justice and to resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified, dead and risen. Our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Our prayers begin with two collects. The first for All Saints Day today and the second for the fourth Sunday before Advent. God of holiness, your glory is proclaimed in every age. As we rejoice in the faith of your saints, inspire us to follow their example with boldness and joy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God of glory, touch our lips with the fire of your spirit that we, with all creation, may rejoice to sing your praise through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And we continue our prayers praying for the peace, for the anxious, for all who are troubled. We ask your blessing on those who care for others. And we pray particularly for the church's ministry to the outcasts and marginalised. Please bless the work of Christians Against Poverty in this town. We pray too for the work of the street pastors, the work of stay as they provide shelter for the homeless. Lord, in your mercy... Hear our prayer. We pray for our world. We pray for the people of Turkey and Eastern Greece who suffered under the recent earthquake. Please help the rescuers to find those that are alive and comfort the grieving and those who have lost their homes. We pray for all who are anxious in the face of the renewed spread of the coronavirus around the globe. We pray for your protection upon our nation. Please give courage, strength and perseverance to 
all our doctors and nurses. And we ask for wisdom for the government as they lead us through these difficult times. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We give you thanks for the peace and security of our homes. We pray that we may be bringers of peace. Please bless our families and our friends. And we pray for all those who live in fear inside their own homes, for those who are abused or neglected. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those who are sick and suffering at the moment. And in a moment of quiet, we bring them before the God, asking for his healing, his comfort. We remember to the family of Janet Johnson. Pray for Don and Adrian and Rachel, that you bring them comfort in their grief. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, our hope is in you. You are the giver of life and life eternal. We pray that we may live in the new life that you have won for us in Jesus Christ. So as we conclude our prayers, let's join together in the words of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Even as I record this, there is the possibility that the Prime Minister may announce a new national lockdown next week. Uh, We don't know whether that will affect meeting together for public worship and the closure of churches again. You may hear announcements on the radio, but we will keep you informed as best we can. And so to conclude our time, a prayer of blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us and with those we love, now and always. Amen.